Hey everybody, it's Jeff. So since the MXU Live Tour is only a couple weeks away, I wanted to remind you one more time about our partnership with our friends at churchgear.com. So if you have a closet full of unwanted gear laying around your church, you can turn that into cash. Go to churchgear.com, send them a list of what you have, and as a special for the MXU Live Tour, for every $1,000 worth of gear that they buy from you, they'll buy you a ticket for the MXU Live Tour. So you can get up to four tickets. So you could trade $4,000 worth of gear that will go to other great churches who need it and get four tickets for you and your team to come to one of our events. Seems like a no-brainer to me. So go to getmxu.com to get all the details about the tour dates. September 9th in Atlanta, September 13th in Chicago, September 16th in Dallas. And then churchgear.com to get all the details on how to get the gear to them and how to get your tickets. We can't wait to see you there. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 125 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Lee Fields. How you doing, buddy? What up? We are thrilled to be joined today by our good buddy, Corey Edwards. Corey, you are closing in on maybe tied for second for most podcast appearances so far. So. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Give yeah, Robert yeah. Scovel and Chris Raybould to run for their money. Yeah. Who? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Speaking of Robert, he was at MXU HQ yesterday. Yeah, he was. Setting up our uh, AVID system. That's at HQ. Nice. I was super bummed. I just couldn't be there with him. And he's there with the whole team. Apparently, know, crazy. Spencer called me and said that there was a a uh, mad scramble. I mean, like Robert Scovel's in the building, which is awesome. But he comes out of the production space and asked for a, um, what did he ask for? Oh, a wired mouse. It's like, hey, is there a wired mouse around? And then picture seven or eight people of our staff <laughs> getting up and scrambling and running through the building trying to find a wired mouse as fast as possible. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was funny. And Spencer said he just looked out of his office and there's like a handful of people just like staring at each other, not knowing what to do. <laughs> just get the guy mouse. I had to I had to find a wired keyboard the other day and it was very challenging. It's difficult yeah. these days. It is. I bought a 10, a 15 foot USB extension cable, but it doesn't work on every machine. Uh, I know. I don't know if that has to do with the pa- the USB power on the computer or uh, whatever, but it did not work on the Windows Super Rack computer that was supplied by the the vendor. Didn't work. It's you it know, was the U and USB actually stands for universal. You would think they would oh understand by now that universal means everything, but it's not. It's less and less all the time. All right, so tip for the day, uh, wired keyboard and mouse on all production machines, not wireless. Just just have it at hand. Just have one, have it on one hand. set would be great. Yeah, because yeah. when the room is empty, the wireless works fine. Works like a dream. You put even 500 people in the room, and you forget about it. It's the most frustrating thing ever. And I hate using touchscreens with SuperRack. I just don't like it. I hate touchscreens in general. I know. Do you guys use the touchscreen with SuperRack, or do you use a mouse? Mouse, always. I usually, I usually use a mouse, but there are things that I like about a touchscreen. What I don't like about a touchscreen is fingerprints. And so, if I like when I come out the next day and set up a monitor and there's fingerprints all over it, I'm just annoyed. Yeah, I, I had apparently I had a moment on a show a couple months ago where I was I had SuperRack, but it was right in front of me, and I kept touching the screen. And by I, accident, yeah, like I was, I th- because of where it was, I just naturally was trying to touch it, even though it wasn't. So apparently, I had messaged Webster, and I was like, "Hey, I want a SuperAct touchscreen," and he was like, "There's no way that you are asking for this." And I forgot, <laughs> and we got to prep, and he was like, "All right, I've got the touchscreen set up," and I said. Why I don't want a touchscreen? He said you asked for one, and I was like, "There's no way I asked for one." That's and funny. Sure enough, we we went back through and found the text. But this now sounds we like don't me. Have one. Yeah, you're like me. Like I'll ask. Like I don't want ever want this again. And then two weeks later, I'm like, "Where's this at? Why? Yeah. Why are you doing this to me?" 
You said you never wanted it again. I know. Yeah. My kids probably are like super angry with me. I probably do that to them all the time. They'll be in therapy someday. It's okay. Oh, before we start talking about audio, I have a golf update. <laughs> okay. Because you two gosh. are golfers. So yeah. Um, you know, you know the story. Lee gave up hunting to pursue golf for the next little bit. Or did he? Or did he? <laughs> my son really loves me because last night we went golf hunting and he killed <laughs> so a gotta, goose. You gotta tell everybody what happened. Okay. Tell the, give the play by play. Okay, so we're at the driving range and He's got a couple buddies that live in the neighborhood where the golf course is. So they came out and their dads came out too. So it was like father, son, adult beverage time at the, at the driving range last night. And Dakota, he's not like trying to show off, but kind of, I think he's been taking lessons. He's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. He's been practicing with a wedge and an iron. That's kind of, that's what the drills are. Well, he grabs a three wood and there's a flock of speckled belly geese probably a hundred yards out in the middle of the driving range. And he's not trying to hit them. He's trying to just hit his three wood and impress his friends. How far he hit this three wood. Well, he caught the top of a ball and hit a line drive and drilled a (laughs) goose in the head and killed it. So we went golf hunting and I thought, wow, my son really loves me. He knew I'm, I was sacrificing my hunting hobby. So he just wanted to bring (laughs) hunting into golf for, for old dad wasn't wasn't as much as a, of a sacrifice as he thought it was going to be no it wasn't at all i didn't even need a license you know <laughs> we actually just left the carcass there because there's coyotes on the golf course so you know we're just helping the it's ecosystem. funny though what you told me when you told me the story was that when the ge- when the goose got hit yeah the rest of the geese basically encircled it yes and just kind of looked at it waiting for it to die yes so it got hit in the head falls down it doesn't die immediately it was a few minutes. So sorry. But, you know, it was, if I had to guess, probably 30 other geese and they knew it happened, all pointed towards the dying geese, start walking towards it, not slowly, but kind of quickly. And they're gathering around this dead friend of theirs, watched it die. Then they all fly off and leave. That's some ritual stuff. I'm out. It was crazy. That's creepy. Yeah, it's like a goose funeral or something, (laughs) but like in the moment, spur of the moment, goose for funeral. Yeah, (laughs) I I felt a little bad because I thought this goose is out there suffering. I didn't; it wasn't all the way dead. But there's other people on the driving range, so I couldn't walk out there there. (laughs) and just you know you can just give it a little flick of the wrist and end that thing's life pretty quickly. So when they stopped hitting, like we all went out there, and Dakota's like taking pictures of it. It, it, the, The goose had died, thankfully. But, yeah, it's on the gram, and he texts all of his friends. And one of his friends, I stole this joke, wrote him back in their group text, guess you got a birdie. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. That's good. That was funny. was funny. Anyway. It reminds me of, like, you know, the old Far Side cartoons. I can just imagine these other geese, like, gathering around and... One guy turns to another one and says, Bob, would you like to say a few words? I mean, I just... Yes. <laughs> like, what were they thinking when they gathered around their friend here? Yeah, and then the, they were squawking like crazy. And it felt like they were telling us, what are you doing hitting golf balls at us? <laughs> it's like, there are thousands of, of these white golf balls flying at you guys at 100 miles an hour. So, yeah. Hope the worms were worth it. Well, I would, I would retort back to them and say, what are you doing pooping on our golf course? That's true. You pay good money to golf there. They don't belong there. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, back to audio. Corey, Corey, how's the tour going? Yeah, how's the tour? The tour is going great. This was, uh, I made some big changes to our audio system, and uh, it's been pretty awesome. It's been fun to... You switched from Digico to SSL. We did switch. Uh, Pat and I kind of decided this was our opportunity to kind of branch off from what was safe and normal and for us. And it's been pretty fun to shake things up a little bit. So I think it was in June, you sent me a text and you said, am I crazy um, thinking about switching from the SD7 to an SSL? And I don't think I wrote you back. I I called you. Or did I write back? No, you did write me back. I know exactly what you're about to talk about. Okay. And I said, no, you're not crazy. This is 
completely normal behavior for Corey <laughs> Edwards. Yes. And my, my my point was, no, you're not crazy because that's a good decision. It's no, you're not crazy. This is what Corey does. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't yeah. an insult. It was, no, dude, this is what you do. I think this is part of what makes you who you are and what makes you a great engineer is it's not that you get bored with consoles or mics or gear. It's just this continual, I want to do something different, right? Yeah. And hopefully find something I can do better, even if it's right. just one thing. And I don't even think it's it's not a, this console is better than the other. It's when you put a new set of tools in front of someone, you have to learn how to use it, adapt yeah. that to what you're doing, turn the knobs in a different way, try things differently, move this channel here, move that channel there. And it causes you to discover things. So if you yeah. were on an SSL before and you'd sent the same text and said, I'm thinking about switching from SSL to Digico, I would have said the same thing and yeah. you would have discovered equally new things as yeah. well. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's stretched me because my everything, you know, I have this bad habit of like, well, my EQ on, on the Digico looks like this. Yes. Come, like goes through my head a lot and that's bad. And on SSL, it all reacts different. It all sounds different. You put the gain frequency and cue at the same place and it's just different. Um, and I think on and this, it looks different. Yeah, it doesn't look the same. It feels weird. The meters are different. So it's it's been both fun and challenging because we, you know, Pat and I have such a science down when we're on a Digico desk and it's awesome and it sounds great and it works and there's nothing wrong with it. But we've had to, you know, we've had the conversation. He came out and he goes, so I don't really know where to land on this meter because all of the meter ballistics are different. And yeah. we've had to sit there and talk about it and look at it and and honestly experiment with it and be like, okay, we like drums to hit here. But, you know, Pat ditched waves completely and I'm down to a couple vocal racks on my rig. And so we really just took our normal, which was not, nothing was wrong with it and just flipped it upside down and decided to have a little bit of fun on this tour so what's the verdict it's pretty awesome yeah we uh it sounds different and we have I, th I think between webster and i we have that console doing funny crazy things with midi and commands and events and interesting um and so then talk for talk for a few minutes about that yeah. like give, give us a couple of examples so webster is the resident nerd, he's way smarter than I am, and he loves to like automate things in our rig. And it's all things that I want to do, but I just don't have the energy to even think about it for a second. So, so for people who don't remember, we're talking about Webster Tilliston, who was on our podcast yeah. talking about Dolby Atmos a few months ago. So, Webster is a great system tech and has worked with Corey on all these tours worked with me on Lauren Daigle worked with, he does a lot of work with spectrum clients and yeah. others. So he's, he's a brilliant nerd system tech type guy. Well, and we've this time around, we've actually, he has worked for spectrum for us in the past. And this time he's one of my hires, uh, directly. So he is now like officially system engineer, audio crew chief and front of house tech. And so Sweet. it's opened him up to spend some more time, diving into some of these nerdy things. But um, so we have the console. I have my outboard rack. Um, on this tour, we're using waves. We, we tune our vocals. So it's something that I just couldn't really get away from for now. Um, and then we're using Pro Tools to record uh, multi-track at front of house. And so he has it set up to where uh, we have full transport controls on the console keypad. Um, when I fire my scenes, it drops markers and names them in Pro Tools. And then when I virtual sound check, when I jump around scenes, it recalls the playhead in Pro Tools. Um, and then it's firing MIDI to waves to recall snapshots. Uh, and it's just, a, and then one new thing that I've tried is I'm actually using Simpty to trigger my scenes via the playback rig. So, yeah. When he starts a song, it sees the first, you know, whatever the hour and minute second is, and fires that scene. So my console's always synced up with Ableton 
as far as what scene I land on, what vocals are routed to my vocal groups, tuning effects, all of that just goes by itself. And it's actually been really fun to not have to worry about hitting go on this tour and just, I'm, I'm just leave my hands in the middle on the VCAs. And yeah. The console just kind of works and goes with the band. That's um, very cool. So we've, we've went full nerd on, on the front of house rig, which is pretty fun. That's awesome. I did that on a few shows using time code to trigger scenes on the Ravage. And then it's sending MIDI commands out of the console to everything else around. Yep. And it really does let you just focus on mixing. That's what it felt like. Yep. It felt like before I was going, okay, here's the next song. Or here's the next song. Select this vocal. Take it out of the tap delay and the doubler. Select this vocal. Put the tap delay and the doubler and maybe the parallel on in this one. And then, oh, and then go over here. And this lead yeah. guitar has got the solo. So, so you go from managing... A to-do list, the beginning and end of every song, to I'm going to mix, and it's going to yeah. be perfect. That's the, that's the way I Well, because the like. problem is, by the time you get through all those steps, you've already missed the intro. Yes, and yeah. the transitions are like the most critical part of getting the right volume at the beginning and the end of the song to me are so critical. Yeah. yeah. Especially in worship music, when they're, they've worked really hard on transitions, which we'll hear about later in the interview. You know, if we don't have that band DCA at the right point and can yeah. transition that with them, and I don't put that on snapshots, that's a feel thing for me because that it it would change depending on how the crowd's responding, what type of room you're in. So to have like this song, I want the band fader to start here. I I don't like that. I, I want to do that manually, but yeah, it's the headline there for me. I think it sounds like it is for you. Is it let you focus on? playing the instrument of the console. Yeah. Well, and even down to like those transitions that they're not just pads, the guitars are playing, yeah, pianos right. going. So to take your hands off the console to go reach over and hit a go button at the right time that doesn't mess with that. You know, it's sometimes they, they sit in a transition longer. And what I've discovered is that I don't have to, to be so like, like anxious about that when they are going to start a song because I know as soon as he hits play for that next song, my, my scene's going to change and we're in it. And so you just get to stay a little bit more engaged in a less like anxious way is what I've kind of found the last couple nights that we've, I've been doing this. It's very cool. I want to, I want to get to some outward gear stuff too, but you guys are also doing new video stuff. I'm hearing. Yes, we are. And and you're using some Defy products and some red cameras? Yep, we are. And some, some people on our favorite forum are upset about it. We only showed one across <laughs> the other during the I show. And I haven't looked. I should go dive <laughs> into that. So what, what's the story there? So we this tour, you know, the last two, um, I do all the production design for these tours and for Elevation. So I have a big hand in that. And we kind of went away from uh, content, I guess, visuals and loop looping backgrounds and uh on this tour i think we wanted to get back into having bigger led wall surfaces but we were like we don't want to do the typical content thing so um we spent a lot of time integrating imag and cameras with our server and and using notch and some treatment so most of our content and i say that in quotations is treated imag in some way, shape or form. And it's been really cool. It's been really engaging. Um, and you know, we have Eddie Suparman out video directing and he's just a legend and we have great cameras and we have some great products and ops and, um, everyone's just been super over the moon with how, how it looks, but we've added in a defy track, which has been a fun, we have 60 feet of it. It's all remote controlled. They have some ridiculous 4K camera head on it that looks unbelievable. And um, David, who's running it, is just a wizard. There's so many things you can do on that. And he's got two hands, and somehow he does all of them. <laughs> Where yeah. is it? So it's on the downstage edge of our B stage. So it's about okay. 30 feet away from the main stage. Um, and he operates it from video from the fly pack. So backstage. Oh, nice. 
um, but it's completely wireless and um, it's completely remote controlled. So it goes left, right, the pedestal goes up and down, the pan, it's got pan tilt, zoom, exposure, focus. Um, so if you, it's got all those controls on it, the camera head is not red then? It's not, but it looks amazing. And they, it had come off a show onto our tour and they had, I guess, matched it to the reds. Um, so it looks pretty, pretty darn close, but that's cool. Everything else is reds. And then he's got some 4k like lipsticks and PTZs that they're using for some of these iMac shots. Um, cause we'll do, you know, we'll split up and do five band members across the led walls or something of the sort. I'm going to pretend like I'm Rusty and Jeremy here, but do you know... I know, it's like, is this the amateur video <laughs> podcast all of a sudden? <laughs> is What are you guys doing for frame rate? 24. So everything, oh, okay. our whole system's in 24, um, which is awesome. It looks amazing. And so it's, it's kind of all the way through to the server. And then the server feeds all the video surfaces. So Eddie's program cut hits the server. We have a couple ISO'd cameras. Liam Monroe's running servers. He's got some a stream deck thing, so he can actually do his own switching into the media server via the video frame, which is pretty cool. Um, so you can take. And what is the server? It's a disguise. It's a, uh, I don't remember which one it is, but yeah, it's one of the big disguise servers. And uh, we've st we started using it a couple like two years ago, and we're we're pretty hooked. It just it functions really well. It looks really good. Um, and who's Liam your disguise has, tech? Liam Monroe. Okay, cool. Um, so he was with, he's with Bethel and he's been with us for a lot of years now. And, um, we were using a, a different server and we just kind of wanted to step it up. And so he went and took the classes and learned how to use it. And it's awesome. And That's what we had awesome. on the United Tomlin tour. Yeah. It's killer. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just given us way more flexibility and I think it's, it's cool to do something different than the norm, like having video content play and just. How's the to... latency when it finally hits the LED wall after all that? Is it tolerable? It's, it's tolerable. And I think, you know, I would say that's probably 60% of the reason we went with it is because it's kind of the, the least latent product. And we try to minimize our like points of conversion in the process, you know, so cameras hit the, the, router and then the router feeds the switcher and the server yeah and then the server feeds the walls so we're not we're not trying to go back and forth between too many points of conversion because it just yeah you add seven frames every time you do that doing um, that in a church is not advisable because it's a small space and right. in an arena from front of house back is 50 percent of the crowd and they're already you know three frames yeah. behind at 24 yeah. frames a second anyway. So you've got kind of that built-in buffer just being in a large space. Yeah. But in a small church, like a 700-seat room, doing it that much is annoying to watch yeah. iMag. Well, we have we discovered, like, we had a different camera product on the first couple shows of this tour, and and it, they were less latent than the reds were. So we, when we added the reds in, it actually added a little bit of latency. So there's yeah. some, there's give and take that you have to do through the entire chain of, you know, the, the entire video chain. But I feel like where we've landed has kind of been a, a happy medium of not feeling like you're seeing the snare drum hit strike, you know, 10 yep. seconds after you hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's cool. That is cool. Well, maybe Eddie should go on the MXU video podcast with you, and you guys. I think can, I think you I, should. I think you probably should. That would be awesome. We'll see if Jeremy and Rusty listen to this one, and if they hear it, <laughs> and if they do this, yeah, without us having to tell them. Hey, That'll be a good game. Suggestion, boys. Yeah. Um, After we kick their butts in golf, we'll tell them. Oh. Yes. Now you have to go do this. We're doing audio versus video golf next month a lot with I those guys. It. Well, yeah. we're gonna win. Oh, that's right. You golf too. Corey's on the tour. We have another golfer. You got to bring your clubs. Oh, yes. Bringing them. Oh my gosh. It's going to be awesome. We need a hookup in Kansas City. Any country club hookups in Kansas City? Holler at your boys. Um, <laughs> so tell us about your outboard rig. Yeah. So uh, I 
kind of partner with Spectrum on this one, and we've we've built something that feels really close to where I feel I want to land. But um, so I just recently bought the the SSL Bus Plus um, bus compressor, and then earlier this year I bought a, a the SSL Fusion. So my mix bus is completely SSL now, and it's been it's been fun. Um, did did buying those because you had you had the Fusion on the Digicode? Did yeah. this make you want to look at the SSL console? No. Okay. Unrelated. Uh, it yeah. It it was unrelated. I think the the Bus Plus has a lot of new features on it that I'm pretty pumped about, and I keep I'm reaching over and pushing buttons and just learning saying, stuff still. Yeah, I was like, this is I a did cool a freaking do. deep dive on that Bus Plus this week because I just. Uh, Jeff and I have two of them. There's one at the office and one of them's going in my rack. Maybe Jeff will want to share. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize what all that thing did. Yeah. And some of the, I think I've talked about it before, but I've become a harmonic distortion junkie. And so that that bus compressor has lots of different flavors and, and options of harmonic distortion. Um, so that paired with the Fusion, which I really love, the drive section of the fusion and yeah, I won't say I rely on it, but I don't like it when it's off. Uh, so, the, so the bus plus has, there's three different components to it. It's, it's a stereo bus compressor that can be made mono or mid side, but it also has a dynamic EQ section and it yeah. has, uh, three different options for harmonic distortion. Yeah. So it has a 4k mode. So the old 4k, which is awesome. It adds loads of harmonic distortion to low frequencies first. And they actually have a PDF of this on the website, and it'll show you what it's doing to that curve. But when you turn that on and off, it's like it's a drastic difference in that like 100, 140 range. You can hear the harmonics come out in that. The low mids were more under control, I felt like, on the distortion. And then it had a, I'm going to get the, the, words right I'll, i will look this up a thd yeah button yeah total harmonic distortion but you can change how much of that one so if you hold another button down it starts blinking and then I see, you I can, didn't even know about this exactly yeah so you can then plus and minus where and how much that distortion's happening oh my god i'm gonna go push all these buttons as soon as we're done <laughs> yeah so same thing with the dynamic eq section it it has you know a low and a high well, it will, if there's a, there's a command, a button hold where it'll let you change the frequency and even change the range. Dang. I know, dude, this thing is crazy. So it's the SSL bus compressor and On they've steroids. changed it. it. It's the four, they had the 4k version. And then in the nineties and the two thousands, they had what was on duality and AWS consoles. So it, they put that 4k button on it so that the guys that did want that that low frequency harmonic stuff in there, you can get it. Yeah. But then now it has dynamic EQ. It's just bananas. It's awesome. It is. And then the feedback mode. So that is, it will change. Like right now, you know, if you're hitting that compressor hard on, especially live and you're getting two DB, three, four is, it feels too much to me on a mix bus. If it's, you're getting four DB reduction. Yeah. If you put it in feedback mode, it will drastically change the way that sounds, and you have to change the threshold again. So sometimes I feel like if you run a hot console with an SSL bus compressor, sometimes you don't have enough tolerance or enough sensitivity in that threshold. It's like you just go 2 dB, and then like you're in reduction. Yeah. If yeah. you put it in feedback, you're going to get more play in it, and it's not going to be as grabby. Interesting. I'm yeah. definitely going to play with these. We I've been every night changing threshold, attack, time, ratio. There's so many different options. Like yep. you can go to like 40 milliseconds of attack, right? The, you know, which is crazy. And then there's probably 10 options for ratio. So I think I've been I've been finding the the right combo for me because I do run a hot console, and I hit yeah. I hit that pretty hard so um i'm definitely going to read up on all all those buttons try that know. take it out of feedback mode yeah. 
get your mix dialed in and then go a little further where you feel like that's probably too much and then just and touch it feed, hit the feedback button okay. and it'll like it'll 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 let it breathe a little bit yeah anyway old fields has been on deep dive <laughs> i like it okay so what else is in the rack so uh and then i added to Bercasti m7s so i'm using a snare verb and my kind of main long vocal verb um yep. is in there and then uh i have the neve master bus processor on my keys group which is a very funny thing to put it on but i really like Wait, the say compressor. that one more time yeah i have the master bus processor on my keys like my sum of all my keys interesting so i'm using it as kind of my primary compression for piano b3 that kind of thing but i'm yep. using all the width stuff to like spread the keys so i have i think there's depth and width so i think depth is doing like a, a low mid spread and then i have the width doing a high frequency spread um and so i'm using and then i have silk cranked i think on it um and then for drums i have distressors for kick and snare and then i'm using a i'm playing with a fatso on my overheads which is pretty fun yeah nice um it's kind of it's getting pretty squashy um with those and then i have a distressor and a sans amp for bass um and then and that's it it's just kind of my drums drums bass and mix bus um and i feel like it's you know it's i'm using a lot of the console you know we i only am using probably three or four plugins on the desk um and everything else is just the channel strip so it's it's kind of i feel like i'm mixing on a desk right now and it's it's pretty fun that's cool that's awesome well i wish i wish i could have gotten out there to hear it it's um i know you guys only have a few dates left and my summer was just crazy so sorry i didn't get to come see you but i've heard nothing but great things about the show it's awesome you guys are coming to sacramento in we are October. coming to Sacramento, yeah. So Planet I'm going to do one. that one. Uh, I bought a 1990s Sansamp, Rack Mountain Sansamp. Yeah, you did. PSA 1. And nice. I thought that there was only one Sansamp. Well, there's not. I think there's six or seven different kinds. Did you guys know this? I knew there I was a not. couple different ones, but... yeah. Okay, so here's the evolution as I know it. And this is just a, a couple days worth of reading. The PSA-1 is the original distortion unit. This was made to distort a bass guitar. So it's got three different knobs on it. And this is what they made the plug-in after that was in Pro Tools. It was on the venue. Yep. It's got the buzz, crunch, drive, or whatever those are. Well, in order, that's low, mid, and high distortions. Mm. Okay. So then they made the rpm and an rbi sans amp those are just preamps they have a drive on them but they don't have an overdrive section interesting so the rpm has a sweepable midband that one's harder to find so that one to me is the you want a clean bass guitar sound that's the one and then the RBI is the one that's very, very common. That's one you can go to Guitar Center and buy one. I think that's the one I have. Right now. You're up. Yeah. Right. Well, then they have a Getty Lee version of the one with the sweepable midband. And it also has a second stage in it that's got some saturation stuff in it. Well, then they came out with the PSA 1.1, which is a <laughs> digital version of the 90s version I just got. So it has a memory bank and 70 different presets in it now all those presets are based on things you can dial the knobs in but then they were like okay this is for guitar and bass players but it also has midi Mm -hmm. so you could change your bass distortion per song that's epic and then they came out with a second version of that one (laughs) that has a like psycho overdrive so it goes to 10 and then there's another version that has like four more notches after 10 on the overdrive section yeah it's I love it. I love Sans amps. So I know. Much. So I got the, uh, I got two, I got the PSA one for 
dirty and I got the RPM with the sweepable mid band for clean. Yeah. So the lesson here is Lee needs to stay off the internet for a while. <laughs> I totally <laughs> yeah. do. I've turned into that guy that's on like all the forums, like listening to audio samples. How's like, your uh, how's your reverb rating? Okay. So <laughs> I'm gonna get a five hundred series rack. Uh-huh. And I'm gonna get the and the only reason I'm getting it is for the AMS RMX reverb. So the old school, Jeff tell us the old school uh AMS reverb, that's what everyone used that non-lin on a snare drum. That's right. That's that short gated non-linear yeah. reverb to thicken up a snare drum. I've Number been like eight. making my own versions of it with whatever gated verb, you know. But you can go on the Neve. Neve makes this, by the way. AMS is Neve. Well, they have a reverb, people. And you can go listen to the samples. And like that one's killer. But they start going through the rest of the library. They're all dope. So I'm like, well, how much is that? And the rack version, you can't find one for less than 7000 bucks. Jeez. So they came out with a 500 series. It takes up three 500 yeah. series slots, and they're they're $1,000. So can make me want one of those. I'm, ju- I'm just waiting on a used one to pop up for like less than half of that, but it doesn't seem to be happening. People probably aren't getting rid of those. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think they will. But they're making them new. They're just on back order. They're like 60 days out if you want a new one. Yeah. Is there anything that's not on back order right now? Let's be honest. Mm. Nope. Can't think of one thing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) No. Don't think so. Anyway, so starting to throw together a little little something-something. You know, Raybold did this to you, and now you're doing it to me. (laughs) It's, uh, It's hard. My wife the other day was like, I told her, I was like, I think I want to buy a couple things. She goes, but you're going to change your mind in nine months. And I was yeah. like, I don't know, probably not. And she goes, you are. She goes, just please be very smart when you do this. Don't just buy things. You know what, Corey? She's probably right. She's she 100% right. right. We call this normal Corey Edwards behavior. N-C-E-B. N-C-E-B. <laughs> but the good thing is... You have a partner in crime now, so Lee will buy all of your yes. stuff in nine months, yep. and you guys can just trade back and forth. It'll yep. be awesome. And I'll rent it at a discounted price. Or you could just store it at MXUHQ. There you go. That also. We'll have a courier service between Nashville and Knoxville. We're so excited about that. Speaking of MXUHQ, for those of you who haven't heard yet, in November, we will be hosting a series of workshops at our headquarters. November 7, 8, 9, and 10 are the dates. November 7th and 8th are audio days. It's two different things. They won't be the exact same, but it's two different groups available to come in on the 7th or 8th of November. Then the 9th is lighting and the 10th is video. So if you and your team wants to come for some specific deep dive training, like what we used to do at our MXU live events, where we would spend the day just talking about audio that's the time to come to an MXU workshop. We're going to do the same thing for lighting and video. So bring your teams and dive deep into discipline-specific topics because these are the first workshops that we're doing at our new headquarters, and we are so excited. So if you go to our website, you can find out all the details, but please go and sign up today. Space is limited, only 40 seats per event. So that's one of the great things about it. It's much more yeah. intimate. We've, you know, typically in the past, if someone raised their hand and said, Hey, y'all keep talking about side chaining them triggers to the gates. What's a gate? We would say, Sorry, sir. We don't have time to talk about what a gate is. Uh, we're here to learn from each other. Well, now there's going to be a little bit more time. There's less people. So we can do some more interactive stuff in these. It's going to be really great. It's going to be great. And it's in our own facility. First of its kind in the world, church. Per- a church production training facility. Yeah. Come on, people. We're, we're so stoked. It's epic. So the other reason we brought you here today, Corey, though, was to introduce everyone in our tribe to John Sal and Jenna Barrientes, who are going to be with us on the MXU live tour. So talk for a minute about them, and then we'll bring them into the conversation. They're honestly some of my favorite people. They're just the sweetest, kindest people I've ever met. And, um, we talk about um, them a lot of just having this incredible posture towards 
people and humans and, you know, my crew and just production people in general. And I think, you know, I hope that that's, that's very clear and apparent because I think it's been very, it's been a, it's been a big thing for like the crew that I bring in to do some of these events with me, with them is like, the, the, man, they're so nice and they, they know my name and they say hi to me. And, um, and I think that that is a big part of why they're so impactful when they lead worship It's because there's, they're just so genuine and they love people. And, um, you know, John Sal's got one of my favorite voices to mix ever. It's like butter and, um, and they're both just incredible leaders of worship. So I'm excited that they're coming out. They're bringing a pretty awesome band with them. And, uh, I think it's going to be really fun. Great. Well, let's hear straight from them. Well, we are thrilled to be here today talking with John Sal and Jenna Barrientes from Elevation Church. We are so excited about the MXU tour and to have you guys with us. We just wanted to catch up today and fill you in on what the plan is, but then to just talk about what we're going to be doing on those days and just let everybody in on what they can expect. So thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. We are so excited about what this tour is going to be. And I hope it's going to be a great uh, time, the three three days. So Yeah, yeah. excited. Well, we've never so gotten to work together in person. And so I'm just, I'm stoked because last year when we did our live events with a band on stage, it was just powerful. I mean, we, mm. we've done a lot of training events over the years and we've done a lot of, you know, conversations on the podcast and in videos about interacting with the band and how to get an effective, impactful experience with you and your congregation. But Mm -hmm. to see it in person and to experience it live last time was just amazing. And so we're, we've kind of changed our whole live format for events based Mm -hmm. on that. And so to have you guys be the ones to sort of carry that forward and to be with us this time when we're, we're only doing live events with a band now, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's exciting for us because of the, because of the impact that, you know, live on stage worship music does mm-hmm. to an audience and yeah. to even those on stage mm-hmm. different than just playing back tracks or yeah. you know any other kind of music. For so sure. So we're just we're stoked. Jay and I are excited too. We don't get to lead by ourselves all that often. So <laughs> the little duet, we're gonna give each other the looks. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have to be nice. I promise. You'll have to be nice to me too. Yeah, I'll try. That's hilarious. I'm excited though. No, we're stoked to have you guys. And, you know, Corey speaks super highly. When we talk to Corey, like, hey, we're thinking about tapping a couple worship leaders from Elevation. Like, who should we who should we ask? And talking to Corey and Alex was both like, oh, this is no brainer. These guys have to be there. So so the bar is set high. He said you guys are awesome. So we'll see. Yes, Um, (laughs) it is. As we say, period. It should be. So Corey. We did this last year, too, with the worship leader and an audio engineer and where we had them on the podcast, and we, we basically like recorded the first meeting, like, hey, here's what we're going to do, and like the kind of the behind the scenes, like if we were going to talk about a conference and talk about programming, yeah. we just recorded it. So, Jeff, why don't you take it away, and then we'll kick this off, and you guys got Corey there beside you, so this is perfect. Yeah, so basically, you know... Just so you guys know, I mean, obviously we're we're doing this in what three weeks from now, so it's probably good that we have a meeting to discuss the plan. Yes. So that's actually what this is in real time. So it's good. Cool. But basically, the way the day is structured is, you know, we have a room full of audio, video, lighting, leadership, worship, musicians, all those folks together in the room to basically watch us plan, program, and execute a worship set from start to finish. So we'll start the day with all of us on stage basically talking about what we're going to do. So we'll outline the set list and we'll talk about sort of the arc of the emotion that we would like for these Great. four songs to have and you know just how we want to tell the story visually for the lighting and the video guys to kind of get a picture of what your team as the worship side has in mind for how we want to kind of take people on a journey. And then we kind of break and lighting starts programming and that 
happens in real time in front of the audience for a couple hours. And then video takes over and they train their camera operators and they talk about the shots they're going to want to have. And then after lunch, we dig in with sound check and get the band happy on stage. And Corey talks about you know how he's approaching things with the band. So basically, we peel back the curtain Great. so that all the attendees can see this process done effectively in real time. And then at the end of the day, we basically send people on a break. And when they come back in, it's like doors are open for church. And so we have the room awesome. set for our walk-in look. Yeah. And you guys take it from there and lead people. And so the encouragement from us is for you to be free to just go for it. Great. And it was amazing because last year, you know, I think the process throughout the day just sort of takes down every barrier of, hey, how are they getting that sound? Or what does that look? Or how? So once we unpacked all that, people didn't have distractions because they weren't trying to figure out what we were doing. They were just able to experience it in a new and fresh way. And so our worship leaders were able to really take people on a journey. And that was the thing that was most powerful for me was seeing a room full of what are usually just tacks in the back of the room, Mm -hmm. actually engaging in worship and really being moved by what God had for them in that moment, because they didn't have to worry about executing, you know, twisting a knob or pushing a fader or doing anything Mm -hmm. that they would normally do on a weekend. So Anyway, uh, that that may be more explanation than you've gotten yet about this. So how does that strike you? And what are the things that come to mind first when you're thinking about that kind of day? Well, to the heart aspect, I love it because we um, at Elevation, you know, our standards are extremely high. And we always love to say this kind of in a QA and a setting, but it's like we're unapologetic about it because it is an important day for someone. If there's a guest in the room, we want to have an excellent standard. We want to have a seamless flow. We want to have a thought through set list. We want to have the creativity that's supporting the message to be, you know, on point. And so I think the heart is, hey, like this is a great way to unpack that, peel the layers back. But also, um, like you're mentioning, I mean, there's so many people who are executing at the highest level with so much on their plate. And so if we can come in and, and minister and encourage, that's like the best, um, that, that that's such a sweet honor to do, but also I feel like it's much needed. I mean, there's so much, there's so much weight on any type of creative or a production director, a producer, or, um, you know, even a worship pastor. And so, the, the, the heart of this conference and, and these days are going to be um, really, really special. And so that's where we are coming into it. Um, and I know like we love diving into programming. We love thinking through how can we tweak and fix and work on it. it you know, it's, it's even interesting with Corey, like over this tour that we're currently on now, it's like every day we're still fine tuning something. And I, I think that's just like who we are at the core and we're happy about it because we want to bring the best. And so the heart is always, of course, again, the, the message, but um, the practicals, it, I think you can always get better. And so that's yeah. where our headspace is, at least going into this conference. I would say, too, I'm just so excited that these teams get a chance just to be ministered to because we've been working with like our worship production teams for years now, specifically at Elevation. I've been there since early 2011 and so we work very closely with them and I feel like those teams are some of the most selfless people and so to just have a time where they're getting poured into because they're it's like this constant overflow and I feel like just having a group of people who are so selfless getting to be poured into I just feel like it's so needed and it's something that just really excites us too because we've been in these these seasons of deficit where we feel like I just need to be poured into because I'm just giving so much. And so I know that I think all of us can say that we've felt that in so many different seasons of our lives. And so to be able to just take focus time where they can be poured into that is, it's so exciting for me. So yeah, that was a huge highlight for me Mm -hmm. from last year's tour. I had a guy come up after one of the events Mm -hmm. and you know, he commented to Lee and me, he said, Hey, I haven't missed a Sunday in three years and yet today is the first day I feel like I've been to church in that amount of time just because we get so caught up in the doing 
yes. that we rarely have a chance to sort of mm-hmm. lift our heads up and yeah. experience what God yeah. has for us in those moments. And for so sure. to be able to partner with you guys is so exciting because you do care about mm. it being great. So we're not yeah. ever saying that we don't want it to be excellent, right. yeah. but there's there's this partnership that mm. we talk about all the time between the tech side and the stage side and how yes. when we get to sort of prepare a place together for people to experience yeah. those moments. Right. It's so powerful because, so you know, we're, we're, my hope is that we're able to show attendees what it's like for those teams to be on the same page yeah. Yeah. in synergy, working together mm-hmm. toward the same goal. And so that, for to hear sure. your heart behind that being sort of in concert with ours is, yeah. I'm already like, okay, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. So like, talk to us about, you know, church is a little different than what you guys do on tour, but not much, right? How you're working with Corey on the tour is a is a great representation of what happens at a lot of churches and a lot of, well, I would say most churches, right? Like the, the worship team has to work with the tech team in some capacity. So, yeah. Corey, why don't you jump in on this too? Like how has, what's your approach to partnering with the worship team and, and John, Sal, and Jenna, your approach to partnering with Corey on the experience you're trying to create right now? And and will that flow seamlessly into this? I, I know the answer is yes, but talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it definitely changes, you know, from sp- venue or space or let's say we're at a permanent location where you know you'd have different type of equipment you'd have different amount of a certain amount of volunteers that are supporting um right now we're kind of in this phase where we're doing these pop-up um, services in different cities and so we're at theaters right now and so um it, right now we're having to adapt and just really trust like hey whatever is going to be backline whatever is going to be set up we're trusting the expert to help us but also there's a clear kind of message coming from we know we want to get the sermon out we want to we know we want to do live worship we want to spend x amount of time creating a local moment um and so i I think it works they're both hand in hand and we are trying to create an atmosphere with a set list that maybe leads to a certain creative aspect or a story that we're trying to tell um, and so that that's just like it, it's always going to depend on the venue or the space we might be in but I think too, we we have very like clear lanes between all the different like departments, the worship team, the production team, um, and I think everyone understands everyone's goals. And so, I think when it comes down to like a set list, you know, I understand what John, Sal, and Jenna are trying to do from the stage, but I have a different vantage point just as as they have a different vantage point than I do. And so I think we just leave this really big open line of communication to say, hey, we trust each other and here's my gut. Here's what I'm feeling. Do you feel the same way? Should we change this? And and I think both parties being open to being wrong is important too because I feel something and they may not and then that's fine. But I think it's important to bring to have the like space to bring that up and at least have a, a kind of a humble conversation about it to then say, no, let's leave it. It's fine. And I think we've done that a lot on this tour. You know, it's all those, we're doing the last five and 10% of tweaking and does this moment feel right? And, and we've said many times like, uh, I don't know, let's leave it. And then, uh, the next night we say, nope, it's fine. Let's not change it. Or it might feel weird and we might need to, to adjust. Yeah. One of my favorite conversations, at least on this tour. And I know, um, as we worked together in the past is you coming in and chatting through your perspective, perspective and vantage point of listening through the flow of our set and us giving you our vantage point of this is actually what it feels like at this moment and at this point. And so, you even suggesting like, Hey, can we tweak this a little just from an energy standpoint? And that's a huge deal. I mean, I think it makes a big difference where we're just like absorbing everything in one moment, but you're kind of seeing it from a different level. And so that, I I think that happens a little less at church, but that's, I don't think the relationship should be different. It's the same. Yeah. But even at church, sometimes it's, you know, it's different from even from the stage to 
the booth in terms of what it feels like in the room. Sometimes, you know, especially in an arena, but even at church, sometimes you have people down front who are responding in a certain way because they're like, they're all in, they're there every week. They're there to be a part of just anything that's happening at church. They're going to be going for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas there might be people in the back of the room who are first timers or who aren't as engaged. And sometimes the crew at the back are the only ones who get a feel for what it really feels like for the bulk of the room because sometimes the worship leader down front is only concerned with those five or six people who are jumping up and down. So again, whether it's a small experience or a stadium, just to have that shared perspective and that conversation is is so important, especially when you guys, you have a feel for what it's like, but you've got a lot of stuff that you're paying attention to that's beyond just the audience response. You've got a different mix in your ears than what's coming through the PA. You've got talkbacks and clicks and keeping up with lyrics and all the stuff that has to happen just logistically that sometimes, you know, what the crowd is actually doing, especially in a transition, might get a little sideways. And so to have that perspective of somebody like Corey to come in and go, hey, guys, that probably felt great to you, but out here that was a little clunky. What can we do to tighten that up is is really huge you bring up a really great point that i feel like we're going to be able to showcase in our mds and just kind of the system of our flow is their worship leaders and so they may not be coming through the pa but essentially the their involvement through the set and even the experience as a whole very in tune with what's happening at front of house you know might be getting calm from the producer who's backstage in in the broadcast room or um, video control and so i love that um, maybe you know most churches might operate that way but definitely within our crew they're very vital to the flow and I, I i view them as worship leaders as much as we are you know the six of us or the two of us that are on stage and so i think with awesome. with this conference i'm excited you know to have our team um, with talkbacks or whatnot, just be able to chime in and be able yep. to just give us their their take and their flow um, in the moment as we're leading. One of the great things about what we do during the early part of the day when we're in rehearsal, we'll actually put the talkbacks in the PA so that everyone can hear it. And we can even put your MDs in ear mix in the PA so that people can hear That's like, awesome. oh, here's what the drummer's hearing. Here's what the MD's yeah. hearing. So it's going to be really, really cool that what people get to walk away with. We've been saying this from the beginning of, uh, you know, advertising this. People's weekends are going to be better when they leave. Like the very next yeah. weekend, these guys go back to church. Their weekends and the people attending their church and their communities are going to have an even better experience because of what we get to do. It's really, really cool. I was just going to add to um, kind of with what you guys are saying. I know it's like a side note. But I feel like to be able to have those conversations, there has to be a relationship there too. That's so important because with that relationship comes trust. And I think all of us on this tour can say like we trust Corey with like almost our lives. What, could we say that? We trust. You technically do. <laughs> well, and considering the considering the bus situation, I think you have literally trusted him with your lives. With the stage, with the bus, all of the factors. I'm like, we do trust Corey and that comes with relationship. And so just pointing out that that is so important to have one, an open line of communication, but with relationship comes trust. And so um, that I just feel like that's just one thing to point out that's so vital in that. Because I've been through seasons where like we had a sound engineer or somebody in our production who was there for just a short period of time. And I feel like it does take time to like build that up. And so um, we've been doing this with Corey for a while now. And so I feel like that was something that's important to specifically John Sal and I is like, we actually know Corey and he's like our, we call him our friend. He's not just someone who our team hires out for tours. Like he's actually a friend of ours. And so I think that's just one thing to bring up. That's super important too, to those dynamics. But yeah, that's not like a, a side point for us either. That's like the whole point. So the, yeah. <laughs> our opening conversation talking about, you know, partnering together, like if, if you don't have that, that doesn't exist. 100%. So you, you actually have to start with that. Yes. And like any work that any team does, yes. you know, day one through the end, you have to mm-hmm. constantly be working on that. And it's, right. it's not something that just happens that you have to constantly right. work at it. Right. It's, mm-hmm. Are you hanging out outside of church? Are you taking people yeah. out to lunch and coffee? And like, what's their kids' names? And how long you've been married? And like, right. it's all that stuff that allows 
Corey to say, hey, you know that transition? You said that it was important to keep the energy level up there. I think if we cut the intro from eight bars to four bars, you're going to get what you want. And then you guys go, great, let's try it. As opposed to, who is this guy and why is he jacking with my set list? (laughs) Right. Right? And because if you don't have that relationship, then the first response is, well, why didn't he like our music? Right. Or what? What's wrong with the intro? What do you why What do you mean? Hate me? <laughs> right. It's like why Why is Corey such a jerk? <laughs> but when there is a relationship, mm-hmm. then you can have that difficult yes. conversation. Even you know, especially if it's a a really difficult kind of sensitive conversation. Right. That's the only way it can happen is through right. relationship. Like cupping so. the microphone, or you know, different things like that. <laughs> Not that bad. I stand by what I said. <laughs> well, but even to that, even to that point, I I noticed it and I thought, you know is this worth bringing up to John Sal? Because right now he's leading worship and not thinking about where his hand, his hand is on a microphone. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it to me to, to now introduce this new thought while he's trying to lead worship? And I decided, yeah, I I was going to mention it really softly. And Mm -hmm. you've checked in with me every night. Like, how am I, am I doing it? I'm thinking about it. I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of you and, I think as an engineer and as someone in production, like that speaks volumes to this relationship that we talk about is like, you know, I can say something that's critical or critiquey and it's taken with, okay, I'm going to like do this. I want to fix this. And is this right? Am I doing it better? Is there anything else I can do? And, um, and I think that's, you know, it's kind of been a resounding thing on, on, on these runs of, like our our production crew has has just said countless times like man everyone's so kind and they care and um and we just i i feel like we just have really good vibes like out here and i think it's a good representation of everyone who who represents the church of of that that humbleness and that it's humbleness but at the same time y'all are pros like and I think it's really cool for people to see that of like, oh, you can be amazing and be a kind person to the people who are who are trying to support you desperately. Yeah. You know, like and that's I think our role as production is we're trying to support them. And so it's a posture that both parties need to take. And I think of that comes what everyone experiences totally. in the service. It's not just one or the other. Well, I think that's important on a tour, especially you know, you're you're conveying that to the audience, but you're also conveying that to outside vendors and equipment providers and the venue personnel and ushers, you know, catering, all the all the people that you interact with, if they if they're in the room when they see this rehearsal process or they see the show or they see even load in, load out, backline, all whatever it is, it's like, you know, you're representing your team, but you're also representing the church. You're representing Pastor Stephen. You're representing Jesus. So it's like at the end of the day, how can we, you know, it's it's important that we're all representing who we say we represent, you know, and and it's not just a brand. It's not just Elevation Church or Elevation Worship or you know Corey Edwards. It's you know we're we're trying to influence people to know that this person that we're talking about is actually made an impact in our lives and people notice that people see it people will talk about it it's huge absolutely and i think that's why creativity and excellence are important as well it's both it's you know they're two in the same it's the the clear message and then it's the execution of it that i feel like we should take pride in equally so totally agree with what you're saying that's awesome well we're super stoked we're just a couple weeks away so we will we will see you guys out there. Uh, what ex- city are you guys in right now? Cleveland. We are in Cleveland currently. Yes. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Being on tour, it's like, do you even know what day of the week it is? Most people don't. No yeah, chance. It's Dog Day. I am it excited is. though. Uh, one of the nights is going to be my birthday. So um, should I sing Happy Birthday to myself? You yes. shouldn't have in told Atlanta. us that. That's what. <laughs> it is Atlanta. It's Atlanta. Oh, the first night on tour. Yeah. Your birthday. Yes. All right. All right. Well, I'm glad to know that. There we go. I'm at a party with a whole bunch of new friends. 
That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. And thank you for we'll see you in a few us. weeks. See you soon. See y'all. Man, that was awesome. Yeah, that I mean, they're they're great at what they do, and there's a reason, you know. It's and they do this at church. It's not just why is this super famous arena rock worship band coming to teach us how to do church? Well, that's that's it. That is what they do. They actually right. don't tour in arenas often, like they do yeah. those like you know twenty times a year. This is more about the local church, and that's where they came from. That's what they cut their teeth doing. You know, we're all singing their songs in church now, which is awesome. But now we get to experience watching that team and Corey, Daniel and Rusty craft a whole experience that we can all take to any church of any size. So freaking stoked. Yeah. So we still have tickets available for every city. The dates again are Atlanta on September 9th, which is a Friday. Chicago on the 13th, which is a Tuesday, and Dallas on the 16th, which is the following Friday. So 9th, 13th, and 16th, Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas. Go to getmxu.com slash live to find out all the details, to get your tickets. You're going to want to bring your whole team. I'm serious. Your weekend is going to be better that Sunday based on what you learn and experience in these days. All right, Corey, warm up that three wood. I will. I'm going to get all my clubs cleaned and shined. And uh, <laughs> go go practice on the goose range. I mean, golf range. <laughs> That's funny. Well, tell Dakota to go get another birdie. I will. Hey, it's the ribeye of the sky. Speckle belly geese. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. All right. <laughs>